Hello and welcome to this week's French Football Weekly podcast. The podcast that sets out lofty ambitions and will never walk away when the going gets tough. My name is Chris and I am your host. And as usual, I'm joined by Jess and Phil. Good evening to you both. Hello. Hello. Hello there. We have plenty to dig into this week, both on and off the pitch. So we shall waste no time and, and dive straight in at the deep end. Now, dear listener, do you remember last week when I butchered lots of uh, French club names? Do you remember that? It was good, wasn't it? Well, I'm going to give it another go this week. I'm just going to I'm going to give a phrase a go. And I don't know if this is going to work, but we'll see where we go. I think in French, eh bien, bon témoi. Uh, Kevin de Rivière. I think that scans. Jez, please feel free to correct me if it doesn't. I don't know what you said. Say it again. <laughs> <laughs> eh bien, bon témoin, Kevin de Rivière. The first bit was... Eh bien. Well, good witness. Damn it! Ugh, see, I failed again. It should, it should have been, well, goodness. It should be, well, goodness me, that just happened. So I, I tried, listeners. I tried, you know. I tried, and I failed. That, that would be more like bassaspas. See, this, this, this is why you guys, you know, I'm just the host. You guys bring the content. But hey, I gave it a go, listeners. So what more can you ask of me? I'm, I'm not, I'm not brilliant, you know. Anyway, the reason I came up with that um, awfully, uh, awfully structured phrase was because late last night <clears throat> I got a, a, a ping from. Um, from a friend and then first thing this morning I got another ping from another friend uh, who's on this podcast and that'll be Jez saying uh, have you seen the news at Wren and I just assumed that um, you know we'd had a, an injury or uh, something had happened I don't know I was a little bit surprised to see that Julian Stefan had resigned um, Jez seen as you were one of two people to break that news to me are you a little bit surprised? I watched their game on Friday. Seems like an age ago now. They were pretty poor. I think they made Nice look pretty decent, which is quite a feat right now. So is that? Do you, do you feel like this is a bit of um on Stefan's part? Is it almost a bit of a run away while your reputation's still intact? I know that sounds a bit harsh, but I just get the feeling that he's kind of walking before he's being pushed. Am I am I a bit a bit harsh now? Um, I think there's there's lots of different ways of looking at it. I mean, I've seen people speculate today that he's making sure he's available for when, if and when the Leon job comes up in the summer. Um, I've seen other people say, no, he's like, you know, he's a really good guy and he, he really does care about Ren above anything else and he doesn't think he's the best person to bring them forward. And also by resigning, he apparently is not going to be entitled to or claim any kind of compensation, unlike you know, certain Portuguese coaches from a little bit further down the country on the, on the south coast, for example. Um, so, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really sure, but it's not a surprise. It's a surprise in the sense that they're on a very bad run of form, but fifth place, okay, top four is probably be on them now and and you know if you're looking for them to sort of keep progressing in the last couple of years they should be looking at, at top four so there's a disappointment there but fifth place is still definitely within their grasp so it's a little bit of a surprise in that sense but things just don't seem right there 
Um, I mean, they haven't seemed right, arguably, off the pitch for a while. Um, and on the pitch, it's been a really bizarre season. Like, they started with a really good run, then had a really bad run, then a really good run, and now they're in the midst of a really bad run. It's no sort of, you know, a win here, a loss there. It, it very much is done in blocks. And he has just seemed quite subdued recently. I mean, at the weekend they were a little bit hard done by with one controversial refereeing decision. But again, there's just too many of these results, you know, losing to Saint-Etienne, losing to Nice. Um, they're teams that, you know, I don't want to do, you know, hashtag teams like Saint-Etienne and Nice, but they shouldn't be losing these matches. Um, you look at the players they've got and he spent more money than anyone else in the summer he, you know, he won his power battle last year with with Olivier Letton to make sure that he's got more influence. So he doesn't really have that many excuses. Champions League was the excuse earlier in the season, but you know that's long since gone as well. Um, so it is a bad season, and it does have to fall on him. But certainly, the club didn't seem in any hurry to get rid of him. He's, I think, still got a good. Um, a good stock amongst fans or his, his uh, stock is still high amongst fans so I, I am a little bit surprised that he's gone now but he yeah he just seems a bit a bit weary a bit tired of it all I my personal view is that there's a little bit of the Mourinho about him in the sense that he seems to sort of nowhere near to Mourinho's extent but kind of create tension within within the changing room and maybe within the boardroom to kind of um, sort of serve as a catalyst for, the, for everyone to, to work work towards or work against, if you know what I mean. Mm. Um, and I think when you're doing that, you can only do it so many times and you can only do it to a certain extent and it wears people out. And actually, at the moment, it seems like it's worn him out more than anyone else. Yeah. To be fair, it is his first job in, in sort of first team management so um you know it's 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 not surprising that um he maybe needs a bit of a break and you know for all his faults and you know that I think he's got some he's done a fantastic job in his first role in management and he's, he's taken into Champions League he's won silverware for the first time in 50 odd years so you know good luck to him but it's going to be very interesting to see what his next move and what Ren's next moves are. Yeah, yeah. What, do you, what did you make of it? Oh, oh. Caught you by surprise as well? Well, I think so because, as Jess said, I mean, their form is terrible. If you look at the form table for the last six matches, the bottom three are Ren, Bordeaux and Dijon with three points between them. Now, Dijon obviously are dead last, but Ren are ninth, but it is so up and down. And just looking at kind of some of the other stats they're second on possession and pass accuracy they're third on shots per game I mean they had 17 shots against Nice they just can't uh, make the, the the passes might be accurate but they're not making the the final pass they're not putting in the final ball in a way that there's a Brighton of helping <laughs> <laughs> well maybe not maybe not quite that bad uh, but yes, the reindeer are struggling, but because, as Jess said, it's been a very streaky season, um, that 
you know, it does seem very strange it kind of happened now, unless, you know, maybe Stefan thinks things are kind of irretrievably broken and the bounce back over kind of the, the, the middle of the season was was not something, was luck rather than nothing else. So it is um, odd. And as Jess said, it would be very interesting to see who they get in, given that everybody's, you know, it's all a bit chaotic all over the shop. Um, you know, thinking that there's only 11, in their case, 12 games left, uh, are they going to get a, a, a permanent replacement in or will it be more... Uh, whoever is the second in command takes over, and in that case, will that help? So, I think um, it is, uh, yes, an interesting situation for them. But they are still ninth, and they have a game in hand, and that's against Marseille. So, uh, things are not that bad overall. So it does feel. But the thing is, they do not seem to be a short-termist team. You know, if this was maybe another team, you'd think, yeah, if you lose three on the trot, then you know, the manager's fired, and that's a stupid way to approach life. Um, yeah, that's that is how they've always functioned before. I think that's been part of their problem. <clears throat> and Stefan was the first one that seemed to kind of buck that trend. But I mean, he's how long was he there? He's been there for a while, hasn't he? Because he stepped up to the job, didn't he? He's been there for for a while. I'm sure I met some club for nine months. He's been at. Uh, nine years. He's nine been years, yeah. first team coach for six months. Two and a half, maybe. Is it longer than that? Is it? I thought it was less than that. Wow. One okay. and a half. Yeah. Do you do you, do you think maybe because you mentioned that, Jess, the, the idea that maybe he might be looking at the Leon job? Um, and Phil, you said about the idea that could could they get a, a replacement coach from the short term, which I think is more likely to happen, much the same way that Nice have done with with their interim coach. Do you think there's a possibility that Stefan and Nice could be a good fit? Because as I was watching that game unfold, I did kind of think to myself, it's, it's kind of the, um, you know, the, the Nice have this kind of thought process of being the sexy up and coming, you know, we're trendy, we've got Ineos and we're cool kind of brand. And I did wonder if maybe a, a young up and coming flash, nice suit wearing sort of manager would be up their street. Is that, is, do we do you think that's something that might happen? Is that potentially a road that Nice might go down? I think it's possible, but I, like I said, he, he kind of pushed, helped push Letton out to make sure that he had influence. And then I don't know to what extent he kind of came up against um, Holweck and, and uh, Maurice and whether that was any sort of contributing factor. I think that at Nice as well, there seemed to be know a couple of very influential people off the pitch quite rightly um so a lot would depend on his relationship with them and the assurances that he'd get i guess in terms of you know say over transfers for example yeah and some people say that things broke with ren when rafinha left um, yeah i don't you know I don't, I don't know if that's the case but and they've certainly at Ren, they sort of kept things more internal than they than they did last season with with Leton. If there were any tensions, they haven't sort of come out into the open. But certainly, I, I get the impression Stefan would would want to you know 
be very clear about the fact that anything to do with the, the you know the playing the playing staff he should be the you know the boss or at least very influential mm. so i think a lot would depend on that yeah yeah well so speaking of um just just while we're on the subject just a very quick side side rant uh, i do love uh, how the english media have taken rafinha to their hearts and are making him out to be the second coming of jesus um don't get it wrong he's playing very well for leeds but it does amuse me that this is a player who you know was okay in france and, and had some flashes but nowhere near the level that he's being talked about in, in, the, in the english league so that's just because by bielsa's an absolute genius oh of course that's silly silly me yeah that's uh, he'll be sitting on a call box in no time Anyway, before we upset people, let's move on hastily. Um, just a quick side note. I don't want to go... No, just, sorry, just quickly on, on Ren. Apparently, like, the two names that have been linked, they have spoken to Genesio and Guvenek. Yeah, Genesio's um, coming up for every job, isn't he? I've noticed this. Guvenek is an interesting one. That's... Uh, well, no, Gen- Alan Pardew. Yeah, you know, I read one thing saying he's already said no. Okay. Guvenek used to play for Ren, didn't he? That would make sense if he did, I suppose. Yeah, that would make that would make some sense. But um, yeah, yeah, Genesio seems to be linked with every job under the sun, so I'm sure he's going to come back at some point. Um, so I don't want to go into too much depth on this one, but there is there is talk that uh, that Monaco at uh, Monaco at uh, Bordeaux potentially are, are up for sale, um, which is another sort of fairly sizable bit of news off the pitch. Um, they're very much a club that it's just my opinion, but it feels like they need a real just need a refresh just just uh, in their thought process in in the way they in the way they they build squads and in, in the sort of their prospects just feel like they just need a bit of a rinse and refresh much the same well, as going much on as Marseille. we were saying with Ren and their terrible form Bordeaux are off a cliff worse mm. um, but again they're still still 11th you know it's not again not that bad or is it as we heard Lauren Kashani um giving some uh, stern words at a press conference um, about certain players and uh, not trying hard enough people just wanting to leave. Can't think who he was talking about. Um, (laughs) But their loss, which I'm sure Jez is very happy about, a 91st minute winner, um, as Mets uh, won at Bordeaux 2-1 on Saturday, but yeah, the Kashoni news has kind of lifted the lid on some uh, on some tensions there, but yeah, it does just feel like they don't really have much structure. Yeah, exactly that. Just yeah, in general, either footballing or not, and so you know, hopefully this can be sorted out reasonably quickly. I mean, they're not in any danger, but they are in poor form, and I'm sure some people are getting very very cross. So. Yeah, no, exactly. See that. if they can bounce back from that in any way, shape, or form. Uh, if you refer to uh, Mets, by the way, um, Jez uh, spoke to me off air. He'd like you to refer to them as Champions League chasing Mets from now on, please. Champions so, uh, League chasing Mets. I'm making a note. If you could do that, thank you very much. Much appreciated. That's <laughs> uh, right. You're okay. Yeah. It could be fine. They're not, <laughs> they've got no chance to get in Champions League. It is. It is kind of funny how how further up the table Mets go, the further down the table Brighton go. So it's kind of like you're living on the edge of two different it's a emotions. Zero sum game for Jess. Yeah, yeah. It's actually not funny at all. 
No, <laughs> I can imagine it wasn't. Oh, uh, come on, Europa League. Europa League is doable, and that would be fine. I, I, I think what um, this, I think what's going on at Mets is is truly fantastic. Genuinely, I do. I just, I mean, you know, jokes aside, they've just been fantastic. And every time you think, oh, this is probably the time where they'll drift apart or drift away. They just come roaring back and, and come back with results, um, as we'll touch on again in a second. But, uh, got, yeah. Sorry, you got no, no, feel free. Bigger no, no, yeah. Touch on in a second, so I wasn't sure if I was interrupting. They've got no, no. Top, they've got coming up, they've got Angers in midweek, but then they've got, in no order, Rennes, Lens, Lille and Monaco. So, sort of, two of the title chasers and two of the sort of Europa chasing rivals. So I think like in three, four weeks, I have a better idea of where they're at. But yeah. what they're doing is amazing. And it, yeah. it was a 91st minute winner, but it was well-deserved. And um, just Antonetti has just been superb. And you know, that's with a few long-term injuries to first teamers as well. So yeah. Yeah, it seems really a good. Impressive. There's a couple of really talented youngsters coming through. There's players like Sontans, who's probably going to leave simply because he genuinely should be kind of in the reckoning, maybe for a France call up if he was with a higher profile team, for example. Um, yeah, I worry about who's still going to be there in, in August, but. Um, yeah. This is they've done for over 20 years yeah yeah you gotta you gotta take the small wins when they come along that's the way of looking at it well not not even small wins big wins and uh, fair play to them but uh, yeah we will run down the results in a minute just before we do um again not going to go into a huge amount of detail on this one purely because we've kind of done marseille to death but uh there was there was some news that, that came out of of marseille well two bits of news really this week uh okay sampaoli has been confirmed as the new coach, we kind of knew that was going to happen last week, but that's, that has been confirmed that he's going to be arriving in Marseille uh, sort of either today or tomorrow. I don't know if he's actually touched down. I don't have one of those fun plane apps that everyone seems to have these days, but uh, he'll be arriving. Um, he was interviewed about the job or he was given his thoughts on about the job. He was also asked on the inevitable uh, career path that he's taken, which is following Marcelo Bielsa's sort of footsteps. And, and he came out with an interesting quote where he basically said, um, he's a better coach than I am. So, you know, just drop it out there. Um, but we'll look forward to, to seeing what he can bring to Marseille. The the other interesting bit of information is uh, Jacques-Henri Elrault has, uh, has, has gone. He's stepped down. So um, Marseille fans got what they wanted, Jess. Um, they can all return to uh, supporting the club they love again because uh, you know that's apparently what you do if you don't love your club anymore you just pretend you don't like them and, and you stamp your feet till you get your way but they have got their way is this um i feel like we've said this a hundred times before is is this the opportunity now for marseille to to go again i mean there's there's still half a season to go here i mean they could they could still get back into the Champions League for whatever reason that might be at this stage, but they win the game in hand. They're back. They're back to fifth. So, are you looking for kind of an immediate upturn both on and off the pitch with this news this week? Um, yeah, similar to Ren, talk of crisis, and again, Marseille also should be aspiring to Champions League, but they're not in a horrific position in the league, and they still could qualify for Europe next year. Whether they want that or not is, a, is another matter. Um, there are things that need sorting out on and off the pitch. 
Um, I do think getting rid of Ero is a great start. I've, I've always thought he was rubbish um, <laughs> and, you know, rubbed everyone up the wrong way, like picking fights. Okay, fine. You know, it's, it's fun from the sort of entertainment point of view, the fights that he picked with Lyon, but you always, I know they finished higher last year, but a lot of the time it felt like, you know, these aren't really the people you should be picking on and, um, you know, focus on, on the mess that your your club is in or the mess that you're putting your club in, first of all. Um, transfer policies have been very misplaced. Um, you know, the, the way, for example, the new contract was given to Payet, just everything that he did was a mess. And then even you know, recently, of course, the fans acted badly, but even there, he sort of... Um, you know, threw oil on on the fire by just various ways of, of any way that he could make the situation worse, he did. Um, so he, yes, he, he was kind of maybe not entirely fairly the 100% focus of, of the fans' ire, but he certainly brought a lot of it on himself and won't be missed at all. So that's definitely a chance to, to sort things out, I think. Um, in In general... It's it's Marseille. San Paoli doesn't necessarily seem the, the most calm-headed of people either. So he sort of fits in with Marseille in that respect. But again, I'm not entirely sure if that's the kind of thing that they need. Um, he'll probably get some kind of bounce and then at some point it may well go wrong again. But um, I, no, I'm, just... I'm not. I don't think that they're. You know, even during their most successful period, this was under Tappy, and we know how that finished. I don't. I don't think, and it's not a criticism, but I just don't think it's possible for Marseille, the city, the club, the fans, or anything to kind of aspire to just be a normally, calmly, sanely run club, and that's what makes them brilliant or makes the club fantastic and you know inspires so much emotion good and bad from fans and neutrals and those who hate them and everything that's what makes Marseille special for better or worse um so you know it's great to sort of be covering them and go along for the ride as a fan I don't know if I'd be able to take the ups and downs that much but um yeah I expect things not necessarily this season, I don't think, but I think he'll probably have a good season next season and the season after that, everything will probably go wrong again. Well, yeah. this, I'm just, look, his CV baffles me. Because um, apart from Chile, and I think the club he was at before, which was Universidad de Chile, he doesn't appear to have spent more than a year anywhere. No, now, he's a little bit rogue, yeah, that's fair to say. It, I mean, he's gone backwards and forwards between places in his early career, but you know, he was one year at Sevilla, one year at the Argentina campaign that didn't work out well, one year at Santos, one year at Atletico Mineiro. If, as just says, Marseille does have an element of chaos about it, and so this is a bit like... You know, they hired Bielsa, who is also a fairly chaotic person. And hmm, um, maybe boring would be good for them, but mm -hmm. that wouldn't keep the fans happy. 
That's so the issue, isn't it? I think the problem with the chaos at Marseille is that while it can't be doing anybody's blood pressure any good, it is part of who Marseille are. Mm. And I think if they did go, you know, st- I don't know, if they hired Roy, Ho- Roy Hodgson or something like that, it would this would not go down well because while uh, Marseille fans do love to complain about the club and and set things on fire and whatever they do also love that chaos i think mm. it's it's, it's their the difference DNA, it? it's part of the the marseille character and that's not just the football team it's the city you know mm. we, for the record i would love to see roy hodgson at marseille just for the record yeah, i that i don't know where <laughs> i pulled that from that was a that's a hideous mental picture picture really i mean him oh, I love it. Well, the, the funny thing is that arguably in terms of sort of boringness in, in recent years, you know, Deschamps was their coach and not that I agree, but a lot of people talk of his football as being boring. Well, he, he won the league with them. Yeah. Um, and Ellie Bott was always seen as very boring. He finished runners up with them. So they could do boring, but as Phil says, it's not necessarily get the impression that they're the kind of club the fans would rather Kind of completely dysfunctional, fun third. Go, fourth, go fifth down day. in a blaze of glory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the, the one thing, the one thing I would say is uh, this is going to make me sound like a right nerd, mainly because I am. I actually did watch a fair bit of. Please don't laugh, listener. A fair bit of Copa Libertadores football back in the day, and and that Universidad de Chile side that he managed was my first kind of experience with uh with san Pauli. and um based off of that i must admit i was a bit younger than because it, it was a few years ago but based off of that and and watching late night football into the night as i did back then he yes he is a little bit of a, an explosive character and as you know that's lots of videos will, will have shown he's he he's very much one of those managers that the fans will absolutely love whether he's winning or losing and I suppose that's one thing that Marseille have got on their hands. What I would also say, though, is he's not a manager who takes shit lightly. So mm. I think Messers Paye and uh, Tovan might be well-versed in in having a think about their futures. I, I Also, just, just buckle yourselves in, because he will adore the likes of Benedetto and Navarro Gonzalez. He will absolutely adore types of those types of players. Shithousery will be very much hit up his street. So... I- I, I have to, to admit, I, I am hoping that the fans are back for the next classic. Uh, if PSG come to the Bell and there's fans and there's some power, it, uh, that could be, yeah, that could be a cracking event. I'm yeah. not saying it'd be a brilliant football match, but it could be a cracking event. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Let's um, let's get back onto onto the pitch then. It's actually that match we'll start with as we sort of uh, pick out a few from the weekend. Uh, Olympic de Marseille won. Olympic Lyonnais won. Uh, just the, the kind of the story that came out of this game was was not necessarily the scoreline. For the record, I thought Marseille actually did very well to battle back into this game because when Carl Toko Kambe uh, swept Leon into the lead after 21 minutes, it should have been 3-0, maybe even 4 by then. And uh, Alexandra Milik, uh, Arcadius Milik, sorry, Alexandra Milik, what luck is that on the brain? Um, Arcadius Milik equalised from the penalty spot with a lovely hop, skip and a jump. Uh, from a, a controversial penalty, apparently... I thought it was the most nailed-on penalty I've ever seen. So there's that. We may, we may discuss that. 
Lucas Paquita was the um, was the the victim, quote unquote. Uh, he insisted on on showing off his uh, his delightful physique to the referee many times, saying, "Look, the balls hit me in the stomach. Here's the ball print." But it doesn't excuse the fact that his hands were high and the ball hits his hand and then hits him in the, in the stomach afterwards. So, you know, whatever will be, will be. He was then sent off later on, maybe slightly harshly. And it would be fair to say Leon fans are not very happy today. Um, I like Leon. I, I like I like a lot of their history and I like a lot of them as a club. But I, I do find their fans a little bit whingy. So, you know, I've offended Marseille fans for weeks. I'm going to offend Leon fans this week, which I know is a dangerous precedent to take. And as an Arsenal fan, you should. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Less said about that, the better. But um, your thoughts on both the penalty decision and, and Leon fans having a bit of a whinge and maybe just touch on the fact that Leon once again have dropped the baton in this in this t- championship chase. Um, I thought for the penalty, I mean, I it was that I think it, it was accidental as most of those ones are, unless you're John Terry and you're sort of jumping on someone with like doing a huge star shape kind of thing. But then if you're John Terry and you play for Chelsea, you always get away with it anyway. I think it was accidental, but I think it was definitely a penalty. Mm. Not sure about the clearest penalty I've ever seen, but I think you do have to give it. I thought the booking, to book him for it was very harsh because, you know, his hand was in an unnatural position, as they say. So it definitely should have been given, but it wasn't like he, you know, he wasn't doing Luis Suarez. So I don't think there was any intent there. I don't think he should have been booked. That's what he was booked for, incidentally. The the, the official line was he was booked for for denial of a goal-bound shot. Yes, I I don't think it was, and I think that's very harsh. And obviously the second booking, even then, was slightly harsh, but... Obviously, if he hadn't got that first one, then he wouldn't have been off. Mm. Um, so I don't think Lyon, Lyon fans really have got a, a right to complain about about the um, about the penalty. But like I said, obviously that leads to the sending off, and then and then um, you know it's almost a sort of mirror image of, of the first match where Marseille had the lead, Payet got sent off, and and then they sort of settle for the draw. Um, I think. So Lyon fans can be a, feel a little hard done by in that sense. But, you know, Marseille, I think, as we said last week, they're still, they're not, they're still a decent-ish club. I mean, team, like the players they've got when they want to be. And they always raise their game for Lyon, which I still, I still, again, think that Marseille-Lyon is actually the big rivalry and the most kind of exciting match of the season, more so than Marseille-PSG, just about more so than, than Lyon-Saint-Étienne as well. I think that's the one that's got the most sort of storylines attached to it. So I'm not surprised that Marseille sort of turn up for this match more than others. And obviously, yes, there aren't fans there, but coming away from the velodrome in such a match and ending in it with 10 men with a draw, I don't think is such a bad result at all. I, you know, if the... The, the top teams, I think Lille should be kicking themselves this weekend more more than more than Lyon should. Mm-hmm. Um, I still my concern is still that I I still don't think Lyon are playing fantastically full stop. So for me, they're still the outsiders in the title race. Um, and Lyon fans, again, that they 
you get the impression sometimes that they don't want to do well just to make sure that Garcia is either gone or doesn't get any kind of credit, which is a bit silly. Um, but um, I, yeah, overall, I don't think they've got too too much to moan about this weekend, really. No, no, I think that's probably uh, fair to say. And um, speaking of having something to moan about, Phil, I wanted to ask you about Lille's form. They got a 1-1 draw at the same day, just a, a little time earlier as they drew with, with Strasbourg. I definitely didn't see this one coming. Ludo mm-hmm. York with a, a really good finish, actually, a really good volley to put Strasbourg in front. It took until the 86th minute for Jose Font to uh, rescue Lille in a, a, probably a week to forget uh, for Gautier's men as they dipped out of the Europa League. I'm not going to give that too much time, really, because it was well, a little I, bit of after the Lord Mayor show, really. Well, but, yeah. it's, it did feel very much like after the first leg of the Europa League that you would expect them to, in a sense, bin that and concentrate on the league. And they are still top. Yeah. Having, we keep having these kind of, or oh, I keep having the yips about them, but... Um, but then to lose that game, uh, the second leg, okay. But then to go up against Strasbourg and not really offer that much. Where Strasbourg are not in great form. <clears throat> uh, well, we, we have occasional bouts of love for them, but they, they are not doing very well at the moment. So that was a real um, surprise. And yeah, the whole you know, getting an equaliser with five minutes to go should not be what Lille are celebrating, if you see what I mean. Mm. Um, So they are still top. They are two points clear of PSG, but it's now two points. And so I think that makes everything all a little bit nervier. And it's going to be a really interesting midweek round of games because... We've got, we've talked about Ren and Bordeaux's problems. They top and tail uh, kind of the evening playing Lyon and PSG respectively. Lille are going to be playing Marseille. So th- this is, you know, there is some, uh, the, there is some gas in this explosion still to come. I think uh, the midweek round could actually be really important for the standings. Yeah, yeah, you do sort of feel like, um, or I, I certainly feel like a little bit like it's it's kind of all looking very PSG again, if you know what I mean. Mm. You know, in terms of these teams, that it just feels like they're all running out of, of steam a little bit. And and uh, one team though that, that is not running out of steam and just continues to slide up on the rails, Jez, is Monaco, who they left it late-ish to beat uh, Brest, but uh, Lassonaire was, oh, was he was incredible. I think it was twelve yeah. saves. I think it, I think it was twelve saves in the end that he he made um, until he was he was ultimately beaten by Stevan Jovetic and, and Kevin Bolland to secure it late on. Um, the question I've got for you on this one, Jazz, is something I hadn't really paid too much attention to until recently, even though it's kind of staring me in the face. Is this Monaco squad is actually pretty good, isn't it? It's pretty deep. Like, yes, there are a lot of young players, but there's a lot of young players. And there's a lot of players that are just very good and, and players that are either not getting in the squad or are getting back in the squad. Um, and when I you talk about Jovetic stepping up, Bolland stepping up, um, Fabregas is back fit again now, Disasi, Maripan. There's just there's a lot of options. And and it I think they, they made changes in this game which affected ultimately affected affected the result. Is are, are we are, are we sort of 
on the Monaco bandwagon because we want them to push all the way, or are they genuinely good enough? Because I feel like the squad is good enough if they can keep everyone fit. Um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're good enough to be up there. I don't, I don't... I'd probably say that... I think it's probably is the fourth best squad of those four, but it is a really nice balance. They haven't had Europe in any way to distract them, which all three others have. And if it was as simple as the best squad winning the league, then PSG would already have the title sewn up. Um, so, you know, they, they've had fewer matches overall. They've had less pressure because they haven't been in the title reckoning all season. Um, and they've kind of got nothing to lose. So I think that they're in a really good place at the moment. I still, I know they beat PSG last week, but I still think generally they've had a, a really good run of matches. So they still got tests to come, I think. And then we'll, we'll really see what they're made of. But, you know, you, you, there's absolutely nothing you can really complain about in terms of their their um, 2021 so far. I mean, argue, arguably, not arguably, I mean, Lorient came closer than anyone else to, to beating them and really should have done. They were, they were very unlucky not to. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're, they're there as well. I think occasionally they flattered to deceive a little bit. Their defending hasn't always been great. But as you said, on, on paper, they do have some very good defenders as well as all the other positions. Um, so I, I think that they're, they're going to be up there now till the end of the season. I'm not sure they're going to win it, but um, I think they, they've definitely earned the right to, to call themselves um, title contenders. And you look at their squad and there's no reason why um, they should sort of be embarrassed to be up there and in the same kind of uh, conversation as the other three. Um, obviously, PSG is stronger. I think Lyon are probably stronger. And... Lille and Monaco is probably a, a bit of a toss-up. I still prefer Lille, Lille's squad overall, but only because I think they've got that little bit more experience. I mean, the, the Monaco's young players, I think, in a year or two, a lot of them could be, um, you know, if not world-class, certainly sort of household names and, and looking to probably move to the Premier League and the Bundesliga as usual. Yeah, I, I think we talked about the form table earlier. Monaco on top of it. And they're 12 games unbeaten and 10 of those were wins. I mean, they are, if they can keep this momentum going, which I think is going, is going to be the key thing as they still in fourth, but they're, you know, keeping in there um, they're keeping the distance um, manageable and they play Strasbourg. Uh, midweek so you've got to be thinking that that's the easiest uh, possibly of all of the top four uh, given a certain amount of bounce back ability possibly from some people so they've got a really good chance as Jess says of just staying up there and the sense of playing it almost with, with the handbrake off as well I think is, is good to watch I was watching this game against Brest in kind of, um, you know, there's emotional turmoil because I think we all really love uh, how Brest played and Larsenau was awesome, mm. but, and, you know, saving a penalty and all of that kind of business. 
But I was thinking it's going to be so much better for the title race if Monaco win this. So I feel like I've done best a bit of a dis- disservice with my emotional um, yeah. disloyalty. But there you go. Jovetic and we need to talk about Kevin Volland again. That's his 13th of the season. So He's, he's been brilliant. He really uh, has. Yeah. He's, been a, he's been a breath of fresh air. What I like about Kevin Volland is if you... I don't mean to be rude, Kevin, if you're listening. I'm sure you're not, but if you are, he sort of looks a bit like a brickie who's just rocked up to kick a ball about, but he's got so much more than that. Do you know what I mean? In his build, he, he's a he's a very stocky, um, powerful figure. But, you know, as I say, if you saw him on a, on a, a labouring site, you wouldn't look twice. He doesn't sort of look like a footballer, but he's very graceful on, on the ball and, and he's, he's a very... He's very good at linking the play. He's not just a goal scorer. He's an all-round centre-forward. So it's... And, and, and yet when he's interviewed uh, the, with the clipped German accent, he does actually yeah. sound very much like uh, somebody high up in an accountancy firm. And believe me, I've been there. Yeah, he's so very well spoken, it's, he? it's a very interesting, um, very interesting combination, but he's doing a, a great, great job there. And of course, Wissam Ben Yedder also has 13 goals. So they've, we were talking earlier in the season that ben, everything was on Ben Yedder. Volland really, really came into his own. And, you know, now they look like a really sharp um, kind of attacking, set of attacking options there yeah. with various other people, you know, Golovin, who knew, um, <laughs> Diop, uh, even Marapan, who, you know, he's, he's a centre-back. Um you know, chipping in with good numbers of goals as well. So, yeah, hopeful. And uh, again, with apologies to Brest, I'm now going to do this to Strasbourg, but I think it would be very good if Monaco put a couple past them on Wednesday and yeah. just put some pressure on the other teams that will be playing at the same time. All things positive, I think it's fair to say. Um, it's, you know, it's not I think optimum. they're putting pressure anyway. Like they have, yeah. again, like they're even closer after this weekend. They've been. Mm sort of chipping away at the gap literally week on week. Mm. But yeah. it's going to be they're they're going to be playing simultaneously. This is the fun thing that I like. Yeah. And, and people people getting messages on the sideline, Monica have scored. Yeah. yeah. Kind of that, I don't know. Ultimately, I like that thought. When you're when you're the chasing team, you know, having sort of followed a, a team which has chased down a title in the past, it there is nothing to lose. I mean, you, you know, you are literally just playing every week, just taking and it. And it is the cliche of all cliches, but you take every game as it comes and, and there is no pressure. You know, nobody's going to look back on this season in 10 years, five years, three years even, and say, oh, you know, Monaco really, really let the side down there. They could have won the league. They're going to look back at it and go, oh, that Monaco team went close. And, and you know, that, that'll be it. If they win it, I mean, they'll go down in history. I mean, they just haven't got anything to lose. So it's, pressure is completely off and they can just play and enjoy it and and see ultimately where they end up um in terms of the other, only other club to mention uh, obviously we should mention is, is psg they got the uh the saturday evening or saturday afternoon game played and, and won against dijon this had a, an air of um obviousness about it from the minute moise ken put them one up after six minutes Kylian mbappe got to more for his tally, uh, one from the penalty spot and one from open play. And Danilo Pereira headed in his first for the club. I think it was uh, Draxler's leg goal was ruled out for, for VAR. But yeah, he's Dijon 11. He's done really well. He's, well he's... Which I think, given that 
earlier in the season, we were kind of saying, you know, it feels a bit like Mbappe and Neymar aren't talking to him. Mm. Um, but he has really come in and put in the hard yards and made made a difference. So I think yeah, that was that was very, but but he's been very impressive. But yeah, this was a routine win. I mean, Dijon playing five at the back and it really wasn't wasn't making any difference at all. No. So, um, and it's and it was exactly the sort of fixture that that PSG would have wanted. Um, you know, I, I would suspect they don't particularly want to overextend themselves ahead of the the, the Barcelona um, game coming up. And I appreciate they've got to play before that again. But uh, yeah, you, you mm. wouldn't you wouldn't think they'd want to be stretched too heavily. One other interesting thing was they brought on uh, Michu. Mm. Yes, he's no, not that one, but he's spelled differently. He's only eighteen and turned eighteen about two weeks ago, and he, and he looks um, about twelve in pictures. Yeah, I was like, he's brought on an infant. Yeah. Um, so I don't know whether that was just a, uh, a kind of a, a bit of a statement for the fans. Look, we do have youngsters because on French TV, interestingly, at halftime, we had uh, Christopher Nkunku was interviewed, who obviously was at PSG and then left as Chelsea's referred to earlier to go to the go to the Bundesliga and his point he's PSG he's Paris born and bred you know he's a proper little titi you know they say the the young um, Parisians and he's like his point was just when asked why he left it's difficult to start a season without knowing you have a clear role Mm. and it was so he was very kind of matter of fact about this. This is something that we've discussed time and time and time again. And we've always said in the past when PSG were 15 points clear, well, they could use this as an opportunity to play the kids mm-hmm. now, because it doesn't matter if they lose a couple or just only win by one goal instead of seven. But now they're actually in a title race. So the, <clears throat> the kind of the opportunity to do that, they've, missed a trick over the past couple of seasons and I think whether that is something that um, continues I mean he came on for the past last five minutes or something it wasn't like he got a big run out and it was Dijon and they were 4-0 up at the time so that's like that is not the kind of progression of youth that I think a lot of the fans are hoping to see no um, no it was more of a token gesture a bit more of a token gesture as you yeah. said yeah yeah, good. There's, there's an element of <clears throat> ingenuousness from disingenuity, whatever mm. the word is, from Nkunku, because I think that there's there's a couple of players who I think have left just for the money. I think Kuasi probably last summer did similar. And Nkunku, I think, has had more opportunities than, than a lot of others within the PSG team. Um, his problem with PSG I think if anything was there it wasn't yeah it wasn't clear what in terms of his role it wasn't that he wasn't going to play it's that no one really knew what his best position was mm. um, he, he did have chances but I take the point in general and I think that's one of the reasons why Pochettino's was was the, the choice because he's got a great record of, of helping young kids to develop but, young closer, yeah. and to be fair to PSG there's a hell of a lot of extremely talented players all over Europe now who came through PSG's youth system. And it might mm. they might not have had the chance at PSG, mm. but there's a lot of other clubs reaping the benefits. And, you know, hopefully France might at some point as well. And I, I don't think, Michu, I think, you know, similar to 
Coziello and Kakare, the issue there might be sort of, yeah, he looks very lightweight at the moment. But I don't think, I think Pochettino will give chances and, you know, Shabby Simmons looks to be the next one that, that probably will get a chance at some point. But yeah, in the middle of a title race, it's probably unfortunately not the best time for, to, to try them out. But hopefully over the summer and, and next season, if Pochettino gets a chance to really work with them over over a full pre-season, we'll see a bit more of them. Yeah, I think it's a really good point actually about teams bringing through players because you know you 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 always hear the criticism of players not being given chances, but you very very rarely hear about the players who leave, you know, who want to better themselves and then find a home at another club. They've but they've still had their education, their footballing education, if you like, under the stewardship of a PSG or whoever it is they've left to join. So um, yeah, I think that's a really good point that people do sometimes sweep under the rug a bit to suit an agenda. So um, yeah, good point well made. But uh, yeah, PSG very comfortable in this one and uh, and obviously that um, narrows the gap for them at the top. Uh, Dijon, as we said last week, I think it's uh, it's a little bit old yellow at this stage. I think it might just be easier if we just take them out the back quietly and dispose of them uh, to Ligue 2 and uh, nobody needs to say anything else because um, it, it's not looking good. I mean, there is such but a gap they've, now. They've, they've gone to live on a farmer's league. Yes, yeah, yeah, that, that may be the way. And I worry about them because I, I feel like I feel like they might be a club that, that might drift if they do go down. I feel like they might drift a bit further down and a bit further down and a bit further down. So I hope that's not the case because... As, as we a... see looking at the League 2 table all the time, it's like, hang on, they were in League yeah, exactly. so and so ago. And now look at them, yeah, get, exactly. You go down, you get the best players get picked off, your manager probably quits... Yeah, the money goes go down, and yeah, it's. I think it's very easy to get into that cycle. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, a worrying situation for them. Definitely. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. We uh, we wish them well, but I feel like they are dead and buried. In terms of down at the bottom, just to highlight a couple of other results that are fairly key. Nîmes one, Nantes one. Another point for the uh, the revolution at Nantes, uh, if you can call it that. But uh, Ludovic Blas with the goal before Kone equalised. Miguel saw red late on for the Crocs. So, um, yeah, 1 1 draw. I will scoot over the fact that uh, Neem well, beat Lorient yeah, I was in midweek. They, <laughs> they beat Lorient with an 88th minute penalty yeah. at midweek, and, and Rene was a booked for time wasting. Um, and anyone that saw that game. pen, I think. Oof, but Neem's form it. is now ninth. I mean, they're really, really trying to yeah. get back up there. They may have left themselves too much to do, but bloody hell are they giving it a go so yeah. i think that's bloody hell if they had a hell of a lot of luck this week oh well. my goodness me i mean yeah, honestly like they're still wanted equalizer against non but even more so against lorient i mean it they're was wanted for crime that was lorient hitting the woodwork and laporte you know that would have been goal of the season yeah so it would have about yeah. hit the bar from about 48 yards or something. I was um, pulling every hair out of my head watching that because it, it just you you just you're waiting for the ball to, to hit the net like it's like it's coming it's coming it's coming and then it came from exactly who you didn't want it to come from in exactly the way that you 
just never saw coming. Oh, it just oh, makes me sick to All my right, stomach. All right. Happy, happy place, Chris. Happy place. Yeah, well, happy place was um, Lorient turned that round and then beat St Etienne. And not only did they beat them, they came from behind. Um, some real grit and determination uh, shown in, the, in this game from Palacios. Man, and I thought they were... Uh, I thought they deserved it to be honest. I actually, actually thought uh, I thought St. Etienne started very well and, and deserved to be in front from Makudi Makudi's header, if you can uh, say that twice. Um, but two wonderful goals from uh, Lorente, a free kick. If you haven't seen, absolutely posted stamp, brilliant goal, and uh, he got the winner four minutes from time. So um, it's just one of the it's one of those fixtures I looked at and thought need to get a win out of this one and, and win they did. But going behind and being fairly outplayed by St Etienne, it was uh, really, really good to see them turn that that game around and, and get the points. So it does actually lift Lorient uh, for the time being out of the the relegation spots, um, replaced mm. by Nantes and Nîmes. So very Elsewhere good. Elsewhere in the in the in the multiplex on Sunday afternoon, there was another uh, come from behind. Um, uh, well, not victory in this case, but um, Lance really crapping mm. on um, Angers. Uh, yeah, it was with, entertaining uh, this one with a, a slightly odd-looking set of um, set of uh, stats. But yeah, uh, brace for Calamando with a 92nd-minute equaliser. Yeah, Angers just only they the just sat, aren't they? They just sit there. Say again, Jess. Calamando just got the equaliser. Oh, he, sorry. Yeah. Yes, yeah, he got yeah he got the equaliser. My notes, um, my notes uh, crushed. Yes, and uh, Klaus got the opener for Lens. Uh, Dioni and Mangani with the the goals for Ronja. So from from two down, I think that's points gained. I mean, Lens obviously got nothing to worry about. They're flying high in the table, but yeah, it shows real resolve to to come back um, from from being two goals down. Well, one thing, excuse me, I didn't mention. Should uh, should we be discussing? We mentioned the Lorient result. Should we be discussing Saint Etienne in, in, in involved in sort of gentle overlooking of shoulders? Because I mean, thirty points along with Strasbourg in fifteenth and sixteenth respectively. I mean, you know, it, it is. I know I say only four points, but as you said, Nîmes are on a bit of a revival, unbeaten in four. Lorient's form has been pretty good of late. Uh, Nantes, you'd expect under Cambrari, you, you'd hope to like to think there'd be sort of a turnaround moving forwards. So Etienne have got to be a little bit careful, I fancy, in, in that that role. It only takes a couple of couple of games, and they're sucked well, right back the, into the it. Their form has picked up a lot recently. Yeah. I mean, they had that's a, kind of what I mean, I guess. Yeah, they had a, that terrible <laughs> run at the start of the season, and then they had all of those draws, and then there was another bit of a dip. But that actually. Um, more recently, they look a bit more like themselves, mm. should we say. Um, maybe they will be cross at losing to Lorient because they are, you know, next to each other in the table and the traditional six-pointer and all that. But, yeah, they... I think we said a while back, even though they looked dreadful, they didn't seem to be in any danger. I think they just need to be sensible about things but yeah <clears throat> me, just just need a couple of results i fancy it's, it's kind of one of those I, I don't think they're in immediate danger but a couple of results well, underneath uh, them and a couple strasbourg of on the other hand are in bad form yeah so. well that's that's why i thought this this result would have been so good for them at, at Lille. obviously it was cruelly taken away from them but they, they actually played very well 
this is the thing I, I didn't I mean Lille pulled on the pressure as you'd expect but I actually thought they, they went to Lille and, and they kind of went for it so I think if that's the if that's the situation very interesting to see what they do against uh, or try to do against Monaco on Wednesday because yeah a lot will also deter. I don't know whether there's been any update on on Thierry Laurie's condition as well, but he he left the the ground by ambulance. I'm told on at the time. I don't know whether anything has come out since. Um, I probably should look that up, which I will do. Just now. had like yeah, gastro or something. I think. Oh, so it wasn't anything because my immediate thought was you know heart problems. The, the, like your immediate thought when you when it look when you look at sort of football managers, you do just panic a little bit when you hear. Uh, you hear these things so hopefully as you say if that is the case then uh hopefully it's, it's not <clears throat> excuse me anything too too bad but um yeah, he, t- he took training um he did oh, okay well that's good that's good to hear then that's good to hear he's one of the good guys so um yeah good good to hear other results uh rounds nil montbellier nil nothing to see here phil move on so, move uh, yeah on. let's let's move on quickly i didn't watch this one hurrah i didn't watch a terrible game hallelujah um, well, I was ones. watching the multiplex, so obviously, if nothing happens, you don't get to you see it. You don't go there. Yeah, you, oh. you escaped. You escaped well, I would suggest, uh, in, in that particular fixture. Um, the only other one, we obviously did touch on it earlier with uh, with Jesper, with uh, Metz coming from behind to be Bordeaux. Kalu had put Bordeaux in front for Thomas Delane. And that man Wagner uh, composed a symphony to win the game late on. Uh, sorry, I had to. But uh, yeah, good, um, good result that for Mets, and they just keep on going. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Right, we've got a midweek. Oh, I've got a frog in my throat today. I do apologise. We've got uh, midweek fixtures, which I will run down. We have these are all on Wednesday, the third of March. If I'm not we mistaken. have two sittings, so you have uh, yes. your time is a six o'clock and an eight o'clock. Yes, indeed. Yes, yes. so I've I've got many many matches. Similar. I've got back to back. I shall <clears throat> I shall have to look into uh, seeing what delights BT Sport going to provide. I'm sure I'm sure uh, my friend and Jez's Jonathan Pierce will be uh, having his greasy paws all over one of them. So that will be probably the one I avoid. God bless. But uh, yes, um, Ligue 1 fans will get treated to, I imagine, two games in midweek. But we've got uh, Brest against Dijon in the um, early, fi- well, these are the earlier fixtures. You would like to, th- well, I say you'd like to think, you would expect a Brest home win in that particular fixture. You've got OL hosting Rennes. I've seen managerless Rennes now. Again, Leon have to be looking at that one as must win. Mets against Angers, which all of a sudden looks at- Say again, sorry? They've got a decent record. Yeah, the, Rennes seems to be one of Lyon's bogey teams in recent couple Interesting. Of seasons. So maybe Makes you wonder if they'll maybe they'll maybe Lyon will see this as a chance to change that. Yeah, and I guess also it, make, it makes you wonder if <clears throat> maybe they will look at this as a in light of what's gone on. Maybe this is sort of their opportunity to um, you know to step up and and sort of show their outgoing coach that that you know. They're still they're still fighting fighting fit I suppose but uh, or try and impress a new coach I guess we will have to see um, yeah Mets Angers is another early game that one has um, suddenly looks a bit tasty all of a sudden with two teams in in decent form uh, Nice also with their win at the weekend back in form host Nîmes again has the look of a decent game that one in terms of Neem fighting for their lives and, and Nice returning to form as I say so we shall see where that one goes. Sanetti and host Lens which um again both I think probably... that could be quite fun. 
Yeah, I do. I do. Because I, I, I feel like it's a game that Sanetian will, will look at and think we probably need to win. And I think Lons will go there without any concerns, you know, in terms of their league position so they can just just play mm-hmm. their hearts out. So, yeah, that might be a, a decent look. Uh, Bordeaux, these are the late games now. Bordeaux host PSG. I believe that one's on BT Sport in the UK. So you can probably watch that one. Um, has a bit of a sort of a classic name to the fixture, but sadly, I, I don't really see it being much of a contest. But hey, ho, I've been wrong before many times. Uh, Lille against Marseille, which is personally the one I would have rather watched. But hey, ho, that's uh, also at the same time. Uh, it's the Chris Hill derby, Montpellier against Lorient. And we've also got Nantes against Raus and Strasbourg host Monaco, which again we mentioned earlier on may well be uh, one to uh, take a little look at. So um, they are the fixtures. We've kind of said which ones we fancy, but any of those others that stand out? Which ones did you say we fancy? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think Strasbourg Monaco is is a tasty looking morsel. I think Lille Marseille is, is also the same. And, uh, and, and Lille and so, yeah, so there's four, four to look out for. It's a pretty decent looking midweek fixture. Like really. It doesn't sound good at all, to be honest. Do you not think? Do you, no. do you feel like Monica, uh, Strasbourg will park the bus? Yeah. I think mm. they'll try to, and possibly it won't end well. So, in other words, what we need is a Monaco goal in the first five minutes, and uh, all goes out the window in in that in that regard. So, yes, I guess uh, I guess we will uh, we will see. But um, Leon Ren things that. And, um, yeah, yeah, that's definitely the one of the early fixtures that I'm, I'm uh, going to have a little look at. Maybe with with uh, Nice, Neem, and um, Sonetti and Lonzon in the background as the old multi-screen of dreams. So I, I think Bordeaux PSG there. could be good because I think whatever happens, and I think it's the kind of match where Bordeaux could suddenly rouse themselves and spring a surprise. Mm. I just think it's going to end up being a big disaster for someone or someone or other. <laughs> Something's going to go very wrong, either for one team or one individual. Can <laughs> to elaborate a little? Ben Arthur and Koscielny end up having a fight on the pitch or something, or... Um, I don't know, I just I just get the feeling that there's some kind of disaster waiting to happen there, even <laughs> if it's just Bordeaux getting a really shock win. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you would you wouldn't put it past them, I suppose. They've they've got they've got the weaponry. I mean, like you say, Ben Arthur surely is. If there was ever a game he'd be up for, surely it would be this one. You would think. Um, so, yeah, I mean, maybe maybe if if that happens, then we're we're holding you in court for for saying so or suggesting such. So, on your head be it. But um, yeah, I, I can see it. I I presume Neymar is um is still absent from this one as well. So. Yeah, I mean, Marty's out as well. Ah, okay, fair enough, fair enough. But uh, yeah, I, th- I think that one might be, um, might be a. It, it's, it's one of those. I, I'm still going to kind of lean on the side of. I, I still think it'll be a bit of a, a romp for, for PSG, but I'll quite happily be wrong. So um, let's hope that is. I know, but then it might be, in which case it's a big disaster for Bordeaux. That's also true. Yeah, on, on the theme of disasters, either way, that is. That is disastrous if, if PSG romp home to a comfortable win. But um, yeah, I, I can't help but feel that this title is is Paris um, Paris bound once again. But hopefully the chasing pack can continue to surprise us. And uh, hopefully that will lead us nicely into next week's fixtures to discuss well, then. We have, uh, but also we have uh, this coming weekend is the Coupe de France. Ah, yes. So we have the possibility of some 
amateur teams um, causing disasters. I mean, possibly they won't do, but, you know, you can always hope. So we've got a couple of national teams who are playing each other. So we could have, uh, we're definitely going to have a couple of fourth tier teams get through, given the way the draw has come out. So all good fun in the Coupe de France as well. That's happening Friday. There's a couple of games. Uh, it's mostly Saturday, early afternoon, mid-afternoon, um, taking us through a long weekend. Of- and that's the reason we have the midweek league fixtures, incidentally. Yes. So no league at the weekend. So, um, yeah, I've just looked, I've just looked at that. Yeah, so the next, next league around is um, <clears throat> from the 12th to the 14th. So they can fit this in because obviously uh, the amateur teams particularly can't necessarily do midweek games as easily as the pros. No, no, absolutely not. So, uh, yeah, we'll keep you in touch with those results. And um, I will very much not be attempting to read out the names of the clubs involved. So uh, if you were hoping for that, unlucky. Right. I feel like that will do us for this week. I think we have uh, indulged enough for another week. So uh, thank you, as always, for tuning in. If indeed you have, if you're hearing this, of course you have. So we thank you for doing so. You're very welcome here every week. And uh, just reminds me to thank both Phil and Jez for their time. Thank you both. Thank you. Jez has already run away. Yeah. This is this is what happens when when you watch. I said Brighton. thank you, just at exactly the same time and more quietly. Oh, okay. okay, we'll let you off. We'll let you off. <laughs> right. Uh, until next week, then. Obviously, enjoy your midweek round of football. If you are in a particular place where you can catch the Coupe de France, uh, enjoy that as well. If not, uh, I believe you can stream it if you go to certain sites. But I didn't tell you that, listener. So there you go. Right. Uh, until well, next week. You can week, just move to France. Or you can just move to France, yeah, whichever one's easiest for you, really. But uh, whichever choice you make, uh, until next week, enjoy your French football, and we'll speak to you very soon.